Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to episode 15 of Game Store Profits, the show where two geeks talk about God. My name's Luke Navarro. And I'm Mike Perna. How you doing today, Mike? I'm doing good. Um, uh, my Feeling better? Ha- yeah, my throat has stopped being the froggy mess of awful that it was last time we were recording. Yeah, I, I, think, actually... I think the disease traveled cross-country from your throat directly <laughs> into my nose. It's amazing how snot is traveling through... Through microphones, know, over yeah. the internet. There's a book in there somewhere. <laughs> internet phlegm? I don't think so. So I, I am feeling a little bit on the ill. But I'm carrying on. I'm carrying on, really, Mike, for two reasons. One, because okay. I, lo- I want to do this show. Naturally. Yeah. Two, because I am level 48 and a half. Ugh. I love how it's a half. I, yeah, I, at this point, how I'm old count- are you, little Billy? <laughs> at this point, I am counting the uh, the little bar breakdown things. You know, right? I am so tantalizingly close. I am. I'm seriously considering, like, okay, just after we're done recording this episode, just 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 going for it. My wife will come home from work and just be like, "Go to bed, honey. I got <laughs> I got things to do. We got we with- got a max level today." Instead of having like a pot of coffee, you have like one of those industrial canisters. Yeah, the the uh, the church coffee pot, you know. Yeah, with the spout. <laughs> so yeah, I I'm super super close uh, to and we're to folks. We are talking about sweater Star Wars: The Old Republic, a uh, game that Mike and I have been um putting off most of our life for. <laughs> At least uh, maybe if most is maybe. An overstatement. Most but, uh, but, is an overstatement. But, uh, we but, uh, are grown uh, men after all. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have spent an awful lot of time. And, uh, you know, I, I realize there are plenty of other people who are already 50 and uh, more power to them. But uh, I'm getting there and uh, super excited about that. And, you know, what uh, I got my founders tag. I do as well. I'm not using it, but it's good to know that it's there. I'm not. You know, I did I did think about, though, that I have seen some other MMOs come and go. And God forbid it, but there will come a day, I imagine, when Star Wars The Old Republic is going to go away. And on that day, I will renew. <laughs> You'll wear the founder and tag And I will proudly. wear the founder tag. I don't that, know. That would be beautiful, don't you think? That, that, that I love I appreciate that statement. I think it's a beautiful statement. However, I got to tell you, there's a I'm hard pressed to take the black bisector away from my the, name right the now. The black bisector is pretty bad. That it that is that it is. I mean, my ever since Malik's uh re-roll into a shadowy Which nightmare. Which we have not mentioned on the show. We have not mentioned. Um the first time, if you go back into our previous episodes and hear the first time we started talking about because our characters... Because everybody should listen to every episode twice. Naturally. Mm. Um, you'll, you'll go back and find out that I rolled my original ca- my character, Malik Fentali. I created him to be a sage, which is basically the, the pretty much the mage equivalent uh, in the sweater universe. It's the Jedi rock thrower. <laughs> exactly. Well... There was one problem with this. We have a guild. That we do. And we like to run events as a guild. And we were running a Flashpoint. In fact, it was early on we were running Hammer Station as a guild. 
And out of the four of us that were running Hammer Station, three of us were Jedi sages. And I would like to point out, the fourth was also a Jedi. Was also a Jedi. Republic Commando right here. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will be our savior. I will be the guy with the big gun. I'm willing to do that. You are the guy with the big gun. You know it, baby. But, um... It was it was at that point that I decided, both for the good of the guild and for the good of my own personal story, because I was getting bored with Malik. Too good, huh? Too good. Yeah, he was he was like pure Jedi to his core, which made him really boring to play, because everything was really clean cut and obvious. Yes, I'm going to save you. Yes, I'm not going to do that. Okay, so. I remember when when uh when I first started making the decision I, I remember that shadows were like the the special forces and I'm like you know what I want to make a complicated guy I want to make an interesting character and so to make my guy complicated I made I re-rolled him and as painful as that was cuz remember Luke was kept telling everybody about how I was always ahead of him in the leveling while he's 42 I'm like I like just hit 31 right now because I had to re-roll Malik. See, the way I figure it, it's all cool, because we're all going to get to 50 here pretty quick. Naturally. And then we just do everything on Heroic. Absolutely. I can't wait. So, uh, I rolled Malik as a shadow. Now, Malik has become a much more interesting character because of this, because uh, I, I have built into his character the philosophy of you kill one to save millions. Because that's kind of how I see the shadows. They're... Their goal is to go in, take out a tactical target to, you know, to save the universe. And so there have been times when I I don't want to go too much into it because the stories are so awesome, but there are times when terrible, when terrible, awful people who have like are going about the business of genocide are, are brought into justice. And you give Malik the option of kill him and stop the genocide or let him go and face trial with the Jedi Council. Yeah, Malak puts a, sa- a lightsaber through the guy's head. See, I can't wait until we're doing these heroics because my character, not a chance. You go to court. Yeah. And and we've we've already talked about the possibility of when, especially when we're doing it on heroics, getting a guild run of flashpoints and doing them completely in character. Oh, absolutely. Because there's enough of us, and like that's what I'm excited about. You know, like I don't, I don't, I'm not interested in like, you know, pugging. I don't, I, I just want, and you know, we talked a little bit last time we ran, um, Athis. Uh, uh, yeah, Athis. That's is that what we ran? And, yes. Uh, so I'm totally gonna buy us a, a event a, server. Event server. Um, I, I just need to get on that. Uh, but, you know, I can't wait to that point where we're all, you know, we're all 50. We're all kind of getting geared out. We've all figured out our characters, which is really important. You know, oh, yeah. to figure out not only your play style, obviously, but also what your character's all about. Let me throw something out there for you, Mike. We're going to talk about sweater here for a little while. I, this is something that's just been interesting to me. I'm not sure why this has happened, but my character has evolved. Has he now? It's weird. Like, so I started off as he's a soldier. And it, you start off this this thing and you kind of end up being thrown into a position where 
you you have more responsibility than you think you kind of should at that point in your career. Okay. And he started started off as a character very much the like high school football star, big burly guy who's gone off to war because war's happening and he's going to go and he's going to do the right thing. We never leave a man behind, you know, that, that kind of right. guy. Semper Fi and all that. Absolutely. And so I, I'm playing through the game this way. And as he's gotten higher level and as he's gotten more involved in the decision making about what's happening in his story, I find him becoming not more jaded, but just less willing to listen to commands just for the sake of listening to commands. And now really kind of saying, you know what? I've been doing this for a while. I'm in charge of this team. We're going to do things my way. And I don't know, like if they built that into the game or if it's just my personality expressing itself, but somewhere (laughs) in that kind of magical mix of this MMO role-playing thing, this thing has happened. And that's really extraordinarily cool. And do you know what else is extraordinarily cool, Mike? What's that? Yesterday, I killed a Rancor. Oh, did you? I couldn't believe you weren't on. I was like, I need to tell Mike. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised you didn't text me about something like that. You know what? I should have. I don't know what I was thinking. (laughs) I I could just see a text right now. Downed a Rancor. That is all. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm playing, and I happen to be playing kind of at night, you know, not night night, but my kids were already asleep. And so I'm sitting here, and I'm playing along and playing along, and, uh, you know, I, I let somebody go to save the soldier that was wounded, because, again, like we, you would have chased him down and killed him. I saved the soldier who's wounded. And I turn around. And there it is. He, the, the guy has covered his tracks with a rancor. Oh, man. And I looked at it, and the thing, first off, it literally took up the entire screen, right? Of course, as it should. As it should. Like, it looked like it was crouching to try to get its head, like, into the screen, you know? As uh, it should. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it was super, super amazing. It hit me for 5,000 damage, and I went... Uh oh, and uh, yeah, so that was really really cool. And one of those, hate to say it, super Star Warsy moments. Oh yeah, that I love so much in this game, and that is it's giving me so much fun. And something also that happened. This happened a couple weeks ago, but took my kids to the movies. Prior okay. to the movie, in the sort of pre preview commercially things, you know. Yeah. There, uh, onto the screen comes C-3PO, who wasn't actually C-3PO. We know when it's Anthony Daniels, people. Don't fake it. And R2-D2. And I got the most warm, happy feeling seeing C-3PO and R2-D2 on the screen. It made me so happy. And that, my friend, is new. Mm. Because, I think, I didn't realize that it happened, but, uh... I kind of, Star Wars and I, we had a separation. Had some hard times. We did. We did. And you know what? It turns out we're not the only people who are having a bit of a hard time. 
The relationship's been a bit rocky with geekdom and Star Wars. And it turns out that it's uh, it's gotten a little rocky between um, Star Wars and uh, another George Luke. Lucas. George Lucas. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah. I'm sure everybody has heard the news at this point. George Lucas has decided that because the fans are so obnoxious, there will be no more Star Wars movies. Now, there weren't going to be any more Star Wars movies. Anyway, that said... Well, that, well I got I to... Gotta call foul on that. There shouldn't have been any more. There uh, probably were gonna be. Not they shouldn't have gone the other way, but whatever. And uh you know, so what do you think? What do you think about the whole Star Wars the Old Republic is here right now, and at the exact time that that's happening, George Lucas is like, no, I'm never doing any Star Wars movies again. You know, I have I have very mixed feelings about this. I, I, I always want to side with George. I always want to. He gave us something truly awesome. No matter how much you hate him right now, you have to admit the fact that this thing that is so awesome originated in his head. Yeah. So, I always want to come to his defense. I want to come to his aid and say, no, George, it's going to be okay. But at the same point, I you know, his his one major argument is, is that this is my franchise. This is my baby, and I can do with it what I want. And I, I want to give him that. There's some solid arguments to say that, you know, the fans do have a stake in it at this point. But I, I want to give him that. As a guy who who kind of pictures himself as a, as a creator, I want to give him the idea of this is his, he can do with it what he wants. And so when that came out, when that meant coming out with cheesy, awful terrible prequels. I said, you know what? He made decisions. I don't agree with them, but they're his. The thing that really bugs me about George is what he's done to his original movies. The ridiculous, stupid, pointless changes that had no uh, no real reason to be there. It was literally the 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 feeling that I get from watching the the re released Star Wars movies is George is like, look at this cool new toy. I want to play with it. I don't want to make anything new to play with it, so I'm just going to use it to play with my old stuff for no good reason. Yeah, did you actually, did you when they released the digitally remastered original trilogy in the theaters? It was kind of in the late 90s, I think. Yes. Did you, I did, did, you did you go I see didn't those? I did go to see it. I did. I did not go see it in the theater. I did. I was there midnight release with the woman who eventually is now my wife. Super excited. We're standing in line. There are Jedi everywhere. There are stormtroopers everywhere. I am like out of my mind excited because I'm getting a uh a unique uh collectible uh action figure that you only get if you go you to own, the midnight right. release of this movie. Uh, I We sit down in the theater, the screen goes dark, and up comes the Lucasfilm uh, logo. The old sort of greenish, like, you know, really, really old school logo. And, it's, and it morphs. It, it, uh, it goes through a, a transition into kind of a gold-leafed version of that. And then you hit the big note and the movie starts and the theater just goes bonkers, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, we're super excited. 
But then as the movie goes on, and we are so excited that you kind of just look past it that first time, but then you start seeing those things, right? You see the stupid, you know, Greedo shoots first. You see... Oh, that one, that one annoyed me. You see, you know which one actually bugged me a lot more? Is Han walking on Jabba's on tail Jabba's and tail. that stupid face that Jabba... And, you know, we kind of by the time the whole process goes through and we get to the end of Jedi... And they've got the, like, you know, the fireworks going all over the universe and the wrong Anakin there and all that kind of stuff. You, we knew something is, something is wrong. But here's the thing that really kind of interests me about the whole process. There are people now doing Star Wars so much better than it has been mm-hmm. done in decades. The Old Republic feels so much like Star Wars to me. The... Many of the Star Wars novels, a lot of them are kind of not so good, but many of the Star Wars novels <laughs> feel so much more Star Warsy to me than parts of the prequels. I, and also, parts of the prequels were amazing. Okay, the the final scenes in well, yeah, I I you I before you even start, I know where you're going. Yes, the lightsaber scene with Qui Gon Jinn, <laughs> Obi Wan, and Darth Maul is a level of epic that warrants a better movie than that than that horrible steaming pile of junk that it's in right and and so there were amazing moments but there's just and and i'll tell you if folks i you know it's a stupid thing to spend 60 bucks on but go go over to the internet i'm sure you can find it somewhere just watch the opening cinematics of star wars the old republic oh you you can go on youtube and find it. i'm sure you can and like just that is so so much fun for a fan um, and you know, I think the thing that really makes us all crazy though, is that I feel like he's changed the characters. Now, Luke Skywalker's still Luke Skywalker. Princess Leia is still Princess Leia, but the fundamental understanding of the good and evil battle, the, who the Emperor was, even though I like how the Emperor came to be in the prequels, uh, and certainly, I, he ruined Darth Vader. Yeah. And that sucks. Don't don't mess with the characters who already live. Give us somebody new, which is cool. The Old Republic. There's no connection whatsoever, right? It's like a long, 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 long time ago. Well, the the thing the thing that uh, that bugged me about the whole Darth Vader thing going from the prequels to the original movies is that there's so much to work with there. And there's so much of the the turning of Anakin Skywalker into Darth Vader. The the lure of the dark side. There's all sorts of cool stuff you can play with there. But instead, we get a five-minute turnaround from I'm a loyal Jedi who loves everyone and will defend the weak to I want to slaughter children. It's it's literally like a five-minute turnaround. And don't get me started on you can't win Anakin, I have the high ground. <laughs> yeah, it's the way it works with Jedi's high grounds and uh holes in the ground. If you if yes. you're in the hole in the ground, you win. Happens every time. But yeah, I there was so much and and you want to talk about uh other people being able to play in the Star Wars universe and doing a better job of it. I have you ever seen the cartoon Clone Wars? I have. There's such a better transition, and they're doing such a great job of showing you how Anakin goes from loyal Jedi to evil, terrible person. 
And it's all, it's all due to the, I'm going to grab power to protect who I want to protect and, and save who I love. See, those are cool stories to tell. Like, there's one episode, I don't know, by the time this, uh, we actually post this, it, this episode probably has already happened, but I was watching a commercial for an advert, for uh, an episode of Clone Wars that, uh, some bounty hunter claims to have killed Obi-Wan. And you just see this moment of just pure hatred as Anakin is standing over this bounty hunter, lightsaber drawn, and says, this is for Obi-Wan. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is Darth Vader. There you go. Why couldn't we get that in the movie? The cool thing is, is that we are getting it, I think, I think we're getting it in the game. Oh, yeah. I really do. There are moments in these stories, and again, we're trying not to give things away. But when stuff happens, you know, I'm not a happy man. <laughs> you know, we can go back to uh, other games by uh, the same company. And right. I, oh, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy in uh, Dragon Age. So you're, you're playing through Dragon Age, and there is a point where you have to make a choice, and one of your... Alistair! A- oh Alistair. my gosh, Alistair! How did I forget that? Uh, okay, so there's a thing that happens with Alistair, and uh, that was probably, for me, like, the most devastating video game moment I had ever had in my life. When you... Be- yeah. And that stuff happens, man. Uh, you know, I don't know if you can lose companions in this game. I'm guessing you probably can. I haven't, but uh, there are things, man. There are things. I'm telling you. There's a lot of emotional depth here, and it just gets me to realize, you know, all of the gaming we talk about, right, whether it's video games or tabletop games or even board games to a certain extent, it's about being those characters. Oh, yeah. And imagining, and even imagining, like, a great DM gives you cool NPCs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it is about interacting and playing with those characters. I mean, look, I love the pressing the buttons, too. That's there's fun. Something, there's something very visceral about pressing the buttons and seeing things blow up. Right, but what I think has made this game special, uh, and hopefully will continue to make the game special, and hopefully people keep playing it and we can enjoy it for a long time, uh, is that character depth and is that level of connectedness with the, with the people you play with uh, in terms of the NPCs. And I think, I hope, if we do this guild right, the player characters as well. Oh, yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of potential because when you get, when you get the opportunity to play a character and to really immerse yourself in that character, and we kind of touched on this in the very first episode of our little podcast here. I mean, it's you basically get to see life through their eyes. And it, it lets you do things and, and, and experience things with a, a kind of intensity that you don't get if you're not really just putting yourself into this. And it really... I It's hard to explain unless you, you've taken the time to do this. Like, I, I'll tell you, that we, we mentioned tabletop games, and we kind of talked about this before we got recording, but um, as you guys know, I play a regular D&D campaign with a bunch of my buddies, and uh, the I, I don't want to say that I'm mad, because I'm not. I, I mean, I, they, they gave me the option to do this, and 
I, I really just, I, I did it myself. I chose to do this. Um, one of the wonderful things about playing with new, with new people is that they're experimenting with the game. The downside about new characters who are, exper- are experimenting with the game is that they want to change everything. If they don't like what they're doing, they don't have the gumption, to use your word from the last episode, to, uh, to stick it through and say, I'm going to play this guy, this is the horse that I came in on. So they want to change. We have one guy who's changed his character like four times. I am going to be on my third. And while I'm okay with this, because I have enough characters swimming through my psyche <laughs> to fill 16 novels, uh, at the same point, I'm, I'm so bummed because my other two dragons, their stories are done. They're, they're completely wrapped up. One, one guy, I, you know, he, we ended our last campaign with us plunging into an icy lake, and that guy died. Dude, the, I hate the that. reason the reason I'm not playing him again is because he's dead. Because I needed an excuse to come up with this new character they want me to roll. We needed a healer, and so I got nominated. And so I rolled a healer. And I'm just I'm while I'm okay with it as far as the game mechanic goes, I'm so upset. I had this epic story. His name was Ragash Emberhide. He was uh saved from a wizard who had trapped him and was using him as a slave and a, and a guinea pig. Um, he was saved by the religious order of Dra- of Dragonborn that I had created, and they had come in and saved him, and he was brought up in the order. I even have it that he's still wearing the chains that the wizard had used to, to keep him subdued. He still wears the shackles. Like, I had this epic stuff. None of that came up in the game. None of it. It all lives in my head because it never had a chance to come out in the game. Because it didn't have because time. He, because now he is floating in an icy lake, dead. And, you know, part of me is like, oh, that hurts! Because, I mean, even though I didn't get a chance to really develop him, I just had so many ideas of where he could go, what might happen, the potential for, for cool storylines that are just cut short. So, I, Luke, you and I have, have spent a decent amount of time in various role-playing games, has there has there ever been a character that you've had that has really stuck with you? Dude, I don't even want to talk about it. That bad, huh? So, we're playing uh, D&D. I am, I don't know, 13, 14, somewhere in there. And, okay, this was a long time ago, so my memory is a little bit foggy. <laughs> so, I, I, if I get some of the details wrong, forgive me. Uh, for those of you who remember these days better. Uh, but we started off level one. Played, as, most, as most parties do. Played a character for three years. My recollection is he was level 27 when he died. That's hardcore. Yeah. And um, let's just say we didn't play D&D with that group anymore. <laughs> because two of us lost characters in a pretty epic battle. And, um, that was just not fun to play anymore, you know? And yeah, could we have just re-rolled the guy or could we have just said, Hey, you know what? Oh, no, he didn't die. We're just going to bring him back. Just cheat a little bit. Yeah, we probably could have, but that's not how we roll. 
You know, you play these people, these characters, as if they are characters, and that's how it goes. And, you know, so in that in that way, yeah, but I had a long time with that character. Um, you know, other examples, like, I won't go back to World of Warcraft mm. because I don't want to go pick up those characters again. I'm kind of done no. with them. Oh, that was that was a stipulation for me. There, I had a, an off again, on again romance with WoW, and uh, as we ha- as have we all, as, as most people have. But uh, every time I came back, I refused to play my old characters. Yeah, can't do it. Can't do it because because I wrapped up their story. See, I think They're- that you re-rolling Malak was pretty. That nah, would have pushed my boundaries a little bit. It was hard. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I mean, you know, you'd only been in it for a couple, maybe two, three weeks, so you had a little bit of, you know, and plus it was a new game, so we're all kind of fiddling with it, you know? Right. But at this point, like, Mag is Mag, and he ain't never going to be anybody else. No, I'm, Malik, once once that decision was made, and, and how many how many huge amounts of time were, how much time was spent typing back and forth saying, a lot. I don't know, should I, should I do it? I, I kind of want to do it, and it's really cool for the guild. It's going to be a good story, but I really don't want to re-roll him. There's got to be at least 20, 30 Facebook uh, back and forth there. Oh, my God. We spent a lot of time just questioning the validity of me doing that, and then it came down to, dude, if you're going to do it, you got to do it now. Do it now. And, I, yeah. and, I just, and I just pulled the trigger, and it was hard. I'm not going to It was scary when I hit delete on him. It was terrifying. No, and I you literally... I did, uh, so uh, folks who maybe remember, I actually started as a smuggler when we, we start talking about this game on this show that I was going to be a smuggler and I did the whole advanced class thing wrong. (laughs) Yeah. I chose the wrong advanced class and advanced class that for me just wasn't very fun. And so I, when I re-rolled at level like 15 ish, which was not anywhere near the level of, I was 30 when I re-rolled. Yeah. Commitment that you had, um, I, I didn't do a smuggler. I went with a different char- character class entirely. Played the whole game completely differently. Um, and, you know, it's just so interesting to me. I'm trying to, like, wrap my head around, why do we love these characters so much? I mean, you get... We, we all love characters from movies or from books or whatever, but there's something about the characters that we create that are, I don't know, it's a little bit more special in a way. You know, you're an author, so you create characters all the time. And there's something about that. And, you know, it's interesting. We, uh, on the other show that I host, uh, Guys Can Read, we interviewed uh, R.A. Salvatore. Which I'm still jealous about. You should be. And (laughs) uh, I actually asked him, uh, for those of you who... Uh, are interested in the Drist series and have not read the current books, um, press pause for a minute, or mute. (laughs) Uh, I asked him about killing off Brunor and Puent, and you should have heard, not what he said, it doesn't matter what he said, but you should have (laughs) heard... The heavy sigh in his his voice voice. as he was saying it. It was, ah, that's the sound that, that was coming through him as he was talking. And the love that this man had for these characters that I love, characters that I love a lot reading, but just the the connectedness to these characters was awesome to see. 
and to be a part of and to have that conversation with the guy. And, you know, look, we're not best-selling authors. Not yet, for you at least, hopefully. Uh, uh, someday, maybe. <laughs> and uh, But we are gamers, and we are geeks, and we are creatives. And these characters that we make are really meaningful to us. And I, I know that has to mean something. Well, it, I have to say, there's some... There, there is a connection. Like, I, uh, I had somebody ask me if they could write something in the Tinker universe, like use some of the things that I've done, some of the stuff that that isn't necessarily a focus in my story. And uh, I point blank told them, I said, I'd love it if you play in my universe, touch my characters, and die. <laughs> I said, I said, I don't want Hodgepodge in your story. I don't want SJ in your story. You can do whatever you want in my world, but touch my characters and face my wrath. Hmm. And, uh, you know, it's weird because when I started writing this, when I started writing Tinker, and I I wrote it for, like, a full year in in its, its current episodic format. I wrote it for a year. I had no plan. I had no thought process to it. I literally just wanted to do an experiment. It started out as a writing experiment. But by the time that year was over, I'm like, don't touch my boys. Don't do that. I I wanted nothing more than to protect my my children, as it were. And that you you have that connection. And and what's really crazy is that every once in a while you get to share that connection. Um I don't think I I if, if somebody out there is listening and and they actually did get, you know, stop and read Tinker. Um, I'm not having any spoilers. This happened a, quite a while ago. Um, I had one character, and she's the the daughter of a guy who was, for a good portion of the story arc, the major villain. And uh, she ended up getting killed. And she was the main. She was my main character's love interest, and it was a really it it, it hurt me to do it. But at the same point, I knew that the story had for the story to continue she had to die. And sometimes you get that in a, in a story. You see that happen. You can see the mile marker in front of you and you almost don't want to go there. But the more I started writing it, the more I realized it had to happen. And what's really crazy is that when I did it, I felt bad, Mm. but I got emails. I got one email that just said, you bastard. When I killed her, not in a mean way, but in a, I can't believe you just did that. That's such an amazing story, though I do kind of hate you for doing it. And it's, you know, I I was honestly touched because my character, who in all, in all honesty was a side character, part of the reason that I knew she had to, to, to die was because she, that, that death was the inciting incident to take my pretty boring homebody character into the action-adventure hero that he was going to become. So I knew it had to happen, so I didn't want to spend too much time developing her to the point where I didn't want to kill her. <laughs> hmm. But yeah, to see that even that just touched a handful of people who were just so moved by this woman's life, this fictitious woman, and and who she is and what she was doing and, and her life tragically cut short. I mean, I was just like, I can't believe I got to be a part of creating that. And I think we get to do that when we're when we're doing even if it's something silly like playing in a game, we get to to be a part of something so epic 
to to watch as life unfolds and to watch as stories go from you know simple nothing to become heroes or villains and to just see the process that gets us from one place to the other like you actually start feeling like you know these these decisions that you make these people i you know i i will always defend the fact that I do have a firm grip on reality versus fantasy. But at the same point, there's a feeling of realness in these characters. I, I, uh, when, when we were around the gaming table in the group of eight and they're looking at me going, these guys are changing, which means we have no healer. We really need a healer. Would you be willing to do it at the table? I'm like, yeah, yeah, not a problem. No big deal. I'll roll somebody. It'll be fun. When I went home, and had to sit in front of my computer, open up the character creator, and close the chapter on that on on Ragash. I, so, something snapped. I was hurt. I was like, I can't believe he's over. I can't believe he's done already. You know, I think that this connectedness with characters. You know, I, it's definitely one of the hallmarks of being a geek. Right, I, I, I don't. I think it's kind of hard to argue that it's that it's not. Oh yeah, there's uh, a reason we dress up in costume. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, but I think there's something more to it, you know. And because it's not just geeks who are madly in love with characters, we do tend to create more characters, I think, than most folks. True, but. You know, people have their favorite TV shows, they have their favorite book series, they have their favorite movies. Uh, you know, how many people are on Team Jacob or Team Shiny uh, Zombie Vampire Guy? I didn't... Twilight Free Zone, I told you. <laughs> I forgot. I'm sorry, I broke the rule. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we have this just this need almost to create and to connect with characters. And I really do think there's something. A little deeper, something about our need for each other that is represented in that. But I think that it even goes to our need for God in our desire to create and to follow characters. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that we don't see God, we don't talk to him every day. Yeah, we pray, but you know, we don't. The skies don't part, and right. he imparts wisdom upon us. And so there is a very real sense in which God is a character in our life. Now, I mean, just try to set aside the slightly blasphemous notions of that. <laughs> and, and, you know, keep it within the context of this conversation. But that, that, that uh, the skill set that we get when we follow characters allows us to connect with God in a way that we wouldn't otherwise know how to do. And I think, in the same way, that the skills that we get when we create characters really does allow us to love better and really does allow us to interact better with uh, our brothers and sisters than were we not to do that. You know, it's it's stupid things, right? Talking about should you kill the one to uh, uh, save the to many? Save a million. Yeah. Now, 
the thing is, and, and kind of last time we talked about role playing, we kind of talked about how we could use role playing as a means of experimenting and as a means of um, exploring kind of issues that maybe we wouldn't normally face in life or that we can make a little bit more abstract by setting them in a fantasy world rather than than right. in our present world. But, you know, some of these things, like, would you save one or would you save the millions? What would you do? In, in that moment, you know, these aren't things that, you know, it's, it's, it, it's not, less it's, it's a, designed it's less a, to be, yeah, it's it, designed to be an evil question because right, but, n- nobody wants to have that question posed to them. But I think what's more important is less about what you would do and more about you being aware that somebody someday might have to make that call. Right. And rather than hating them for whatever call they make, understand what that's all about. And, okay, that's obviously a pretty extreme answer, but when we experience characters, when you write a character, you know, hopefully nobody has to feel what it's like to lose somebody they love. But by going through that process, you writing that character and me getting to read that character, we're a little bit, at least a little bit more aware of the, the actual emotion and human drama that happens for those of us who know people who've lost somebody. And, you know, I think there is the escapism of games, but I just, I really don't think that's why we're into it. Well, I mean, there's lots of things that can be be said there. There's lots of ways to, to follow that up, and I think that's why we wanted to do this episode the way we're doing it. It, I mean, it started off just spitballing a whole bunch of different ideas, but I think we kept coming back to the whole idea of playing roles. Yeah. And... There's lots of different things that we can go for. But the one that keeps coming up to me in my own head, even as you were talking, is um, I see what you're going for with the whole, you know, the things that our characters do connect us to God. I I want to go a little bit, like, almost take a step back from that because I want to I want to kind of touch on the whole idea of being made in the image of God, being made in the image of a creator God. Okay. Because this is something that that really kind of just spoke to me as we're doing this. The idea that we are creating these characters and we're running them through this world and watching them react. Because really, if you're you're role-playing, if you're honest-to-goodness role-playing, and I'm not talking about like moving miniatures across a board, if you're honestly role-playing your character, you start making hard decisions. You start saying, well, I don't know if I would do this, but my character would do this, and so that's what we're doing. Uh, you start, you know, asking the same kind of questions that actors do when they're playing a role. I, I don't think my guy would do that, or I, I think my guy would do this. And there are times that I, I wonder if, you know, I see I see God almost sitting there, you know, kind of bringing our, our little tagline at the end of our podcast. The idea of, of God not necessarily being the game master, but being the, the player that's that's setting this character up. Walking with his character as he makes the decisions and sometimes going, that's a dumb call. Watching, and then I get this feeling of God just just being that kind of emotionally connected to us, the players on the board. To seeing, you know, when we make stupid decisions, the feeling that gets wrapped up in that. When we get hurt, and this was the thing that really struck home to me, 
uh, when I went on my little rant about Ragash dying and saying I'm so hurt that his story got cut short. I wonder how many times, you know, the father is sitting there saying, I I hate the fact that his story got cut short. To to bring it into the part where I was talking about my character that I created and I didn't want to kill off Lucy, but I knew it had to happen. I wonder how many times God sits there as he's orchestrating the story of our lives that he goes, this, this painful moment, this loss, this... This suffering is gonna have to happen because this is what leads us to this this point down the line in your in your story. I hate the fact that this has to happen this way, but this is how the story needs to go to get to the greater ending. I think that we're both we're talking the same thing, right? Because I think that your capacity to understand God's place there comes from your love of character. Oh yeah, it comes from your love of story. I, you know, I'll use a personal example. Um, uh, you know, a, a few years ago, the church that I was working for closed. And I was the one who ultimately made that decision. Sure, the congregation decided, but let's be real honest here. It was my voice that was going to lead those people into whatever they were going to do. If you decided to rally the call, then they probably would have followed They you. probably would have. Um, it sucked. A lot. And for, I'd say, almost a year, I was hurting because of that, that whole process. And I remember having dinner uh, with some of our family and essentially saying to them, God knew this was going to happen. God brought me here knowing this would happen and knowing I would feel the way I feel right now. And he did it anyway. You know, I had looked back and I had decided that it wasn't something I did. It wasn't me being disobedient. It was, this was the way it was going to happen. And they could not handle that. Mm. No, God would never hurt you like that. No, God only has your best in mind. Well, because, I think because we've played out these stories, and maybe not on a one-to-one ratio kind of a thing, but... But yeah, somehow it, in the it, back of our minds, we know how sometimes the story has to go. And, and you, almost, you almost feel cheated if it doesn't. Like, we bring it back to the, the, the Star Wars thing. The thing that one, one thing that bugged me about it was they were prequels. And so there was one part where they were trying to build up all this dramatic tension where Obi-Wan is hanging from a ledge mm. over, over a pit. And... The whole goal was to create this dramatic tension like Obi-Wan might die and I'm like I've I've seen several movies where he's alive. <laughs> he, he's alive. He's a little older. He ages pretty hard. So and it, and it destroys it destroys the credibility of that moment. It stopped being a tense real situation and became laughable because we know mm. he's going to be okay. Right. He can't die. And um, I was talking about this with somebody when it comes to George R. R. Martin's books. I said, "Hold no character light, or hold <laughs> no character tightly, because he will probably kill them." And it's because that's the better story, because that's what really would happen. It takes it away from being something cheesy and you know heavy-handed. Well, let's just call it what it is—crap, and makes it real, and. Yeah, 
I, I think we, we sometimes we want to glance, we want to gloss over the fact, um, I, you know, bring it the, the whole idea about how God sees things. I've often figured out that, you know, every, oh, God would never hurt you or God wants what's best for you. And I said, and there was one time I was neck deep in something awful. And I said, you know what? He does. He wants what's best for me, but he decides what's best. And sometimes I, what I think is best is not what he thinks is. And when those things are not in alignment, crap happens. The proverbial stuff hits the fan when my will is not aligned with his. And even if it is, sometimes to make the better, sometimes stuff hits the fan and it's just because that's the way of, that's the way of it. And a lot of times in that situation, you can look back and say, I wouldn't be where I am now if that didn't happen. Yeah, you know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I am right now if, if a kid hadn't died when he was a teenager. I wouldn't be able to reach the kids that I've reached if I wasn't depressed and suicidal when I was a teenager. Does that make those things okay? No, but it means that this is what God has. That I I, I was literally just talking the other night with a, a guy who, when I met him, he was a, I want to say he was a sophomore when he came into my youth group. Twelve years later, he's married and has a beautiful little girl, and he was thanking me. Because uh, he was just thinking about how ridiculous it was that that happened so long ago. And he wanted to thank me for being such a good leader and a good friend. None of that would have happened had not these terrible things happened in my past. I swapped a crappy, happy, everyone ends up well story to a story that hurts and is painful, but is infinitely better for it. And you're absolutely right. You know, we kind of we end every show sort of sort of happily saying that God's the game master, but it, do we do we really believe that? Sometimes players die in a role playing game, yeah. even if they're level twenty seven. You know, and um, do we trust that he he knows where the story is going? And I think that we do because we've played so many stories. We've thrown ourselves in. We've thrown ourselves all in into these stories, into these characters, and watch them go places that we never thought they'd go. You were even talking as we were talking about the sweater. Mag is not the same now as when you first rolled him. Right. I mean, we watch as these characters change and develop and become, you know, uh, I read an article not that long ago that talked about stories that are more real than real. And I, uh, most recently I saw it, uh, Neil Gaiman put up a, a blog post that was talking about his favorite, uh, authors when he was a kid, mm. C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien, and G.K. Chesterton. Right. And don't think I wasn't nerding out hardcore when Gaiman talked about Lewis, Tolkien, and Chesterton. <laughs> but again, he, he also used that idea of, of, I think he used it specifically in reference to Tolkien. He said his, his, his world was more real than real. Right. And I think that's true of the worlds we play in, the worlds we create in. You know, whether they're on a screen or whether they're on a table or whether they're, you know, coming on our fingers into a keyboard. 
that those are the worlds that for us are more real than real and help us understand the real world and endure the real world and embrace the real world and, and thrive in the real world. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, you know, we put together this episode today and realized how much we were talking about characters, how much we were talking about these, these players that we play. And, uh, so, you know, we invite you to come play with us and you can do that in all kinds of different ways. You can head over to GameStoreProfits.com. You can go to Facebook.com slash GameStoreProfits. You can email us at GameStoreProfits at gmail.com. And, of course, you can come play with us on Star Wars The Old Republic, Beggar and Colony. I'm Mag. I'm Malik. And we'd love to have you come and uh, adventure along with us and role play along with us. Mike, how can folks find out a little bit more about you? I kind of referenced it. Uh, my it's now in kind of archival mode, but you can still go to TinkerStory.com, see all sorts of different ways to get in touch with me there. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, it's all there on Tinker Story. Um, you can also, if you want to look back into the things that I'm I'm writing, uh, Tinker was a one year experiment that turned into just a major thing, and I'm I'm currently working on the book, and uh, and even that. You know, I'm working on this book, and in the process of working on this book, these characters are different than they were when I first started writing them. And it's because I spent a year watching them develop. And so they're going to look different, and it's a really crazy ride. So you can kind of get in on the ground floor, and while things might change for the book, you can kind of get introduced to some of these characters in the world that I built. Um, Luke, how can people get in touch with you? Best way to follow me is on Twitter, at... Luke Navarro, I really think that the way my story is unfolding, 2012 is going to be a huge year for me. I'd love people to hang out with me and uh, watch and encourage as that happens. And uh, so Twitter, at Luke Navarro. And uh, as always, folks, we're just so thrilled that you're here with us, hanging out with us, talking about geeky things, thinking about Star Wars, thinking about D&D, and thinking about God. And uh, so just encourage you that uh, God is the Game Master. And no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on.